Steve Eagleton learned a lot about politics from his famous uncle, and now he wants to translate that knowledge in his bid for the Missouri Senate. The Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair to say. say, hands to kiss and babies to shake. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in our studios in St. Louis is... Colleague Joe Manis. And our special guest for today... Stephen Eagleton. A candidate for the 15th District State Senate seat, a Democrat. We're continuing our series interviewing all the candidates for this seat. It's one of the most competitive in St. Louis County. I think that's a fair assessment. We want to give the voters of the district as much information about the candidates as possible. Um, welcome. Just uh, before we get into any hard-hitting issues, we want to know a little bit more about you and kind of your interest in politics. I think some of your interests may be a little obvious since uh, your last name does correspond with a Missouri political legend, so to speak. Is that a fair assumption right there? Yeah. Yes, it does. That's it, kind of the when you're in that type of environment, when you're raised in a political environment, it's it does definitely have an impact. Now, on you. if you want to explain to our listeners what your relationship is with the uh, late Thomas F. Eagleton. Uh, Tom was my uncle. Okay. And so your dad was? My dad was Dr. Eagleton, Mark Eagleton. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was a radiologist. He uh, he had a stroke when I was like 10. So he, he was very, very sick right away. Um, so... Um, those two, uh, um, we hear, we used to hear great stories about the Eagleton family growing up, mm-hmm. uh, especially going back to my, my grandfather, actually, who was the matriarch, um, a, a man with immeasurable intensity. Mm-hmm. So, um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Clayton. Okay. And the magic question, what high school did you go to? I went to Clayton High. Okay. And, um, so... Where'd you go to school? What do you do for a living? You were talking about this before we went on the air. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I after going to Clayton High, I went to the University of San Diego. Um, after attending school there, I got a business degree and went to work for Turner Broadcasting mm-hmm. in, in Atlanta. Oh, so did you ever meet Ted Turner? I did. I did meet Ted in a, uh, a very funny way because I, I was trying to get up to get an interview and I had to literally sneak onto the elevator um, to get up to the floor and I stepped on the elevator stepped to the side and I was waiting for the door to close and Ted jumps in and he looked over he goes young man where do you work I said well I don't work here yet I'm trying to get an interview and it went on that he walked me into the guy's office where I was interviewing and said "Uh, Holly your interviews here what I didn't, I failed to tell Mr. Turner was, I actually was kind of trying to force myself into an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so was this around the time Ted Turner owned World Championship Wrestling by any chance? I don't know about the wrestling. The the um, the what, what year was this, by the way? Was this it, was eighty eight. Yeah, I think yeah. This, this was, was kind of like like at Turner's peak when things were really starting to. Um, yeah. Take off. He, he bought it, I think, WCW in the late 80s, early 90s. And all I know is that it was a pretty successful 
uh, venture for a while until the New World Order got overexposed. But that's for a wrestling podcast. That's <laughs> well, not well, yeah, but I'm I'm beholden to Ted Turner because he has Turner Classic Movies. Okay, and um, which has he owns most of the old movies, the major old movies he owns because he, if I recall right, he purchased MGM's backlog several decades ago. So that's just a side thing. But the point is. The fact that you had him walk the guy in means that you probably got the job. Oh uh, yeah, it turned out <laughs> it was it was a pretty good introduction. So, what did you do after that? Because I, I know that you're an attorney, and what, what has kind of been your legal trajectory from here? Well, what happened? I, I worked at Turner for a brief while, and I came back to St. Louis. I attended WashU. Well, I'm sorry, I went to WashU before. There was a little gap there. I skipped from. Uh, I attended WashU in '87. To go, and I was in their MBA program. Mm -hmm. And then I got the job offer at Turner, so I left mm -hmm. and went down there. But um, my legal training started at St. Louis University mm -hmm. uh, in 93. Mm -hmm. I attended SLU and graduated in 96. Yeah. Okay. And, and what, have, what have you done in the legal field since then? Um, I've clerked for a few judges. Um, I worked in judge, for Judge Gunn here in the federal for a couple summers. I was in the St. Louis County Prosecutor's Office for a brief while up there, um, just, you know, clerking and doing stuff during the summers. And then I got a job full-time clerking for a judge um, in Georgia mm -hmm. for a year. And then I started a mediation company and a real estate company at the same time. Well, explain about the mediation company, because isn't that, isn't that where the bulk of your work is now? That's Yes, that's 95% of my work right now. Okay, explain what that is and what you do. Well, uh, I have a, a company, Eagle, the Eagle to Mediation Group, and what I do is I'm an independent contractor, so I will work for various jurisdictions. Certain counties have mediation programs, or I've been selected. I'm on a panel that has a contract with the federal government, and they will send cases out to mediators like myself and uh, with the primary emphasis being employment law. So... Um, and EEOC work. I'll do a lot of work with Equal Employment EEOC office. So you'll be a mediator, what, between the employee and the company or the labor union in the company or what? It could be any one of three. You could have a union rep. You could have attorneys. It's, but specifically, it is between an employee and management. Um, or an employee is rep and then management's attorney. It just depends. But the, the two general sides are employee and management. So this is a question that has come up in in your last campaign in this one. Where do you currently live right now? I live in Kirkwood. Okay. And it came up in the last election because I travel a lot. And the and the other problem is that my wife took a she has her retirement in the Georgia uh, board of, in the, at Georgia educational system. She's been a teacher there, so. She didn't want to surrender that or have an impact on that until she got vested. Mm -hmm. So she's staying down there. She's um, got a, a good position as an assistant principal. And that, um, I think she'll continue to try to do that for another two or three years till she gets to a certain point in her retirement. But do you, like, travel between St. Louis and, and, and Georgia pretty regularly? I travel all over the country. Right. Um, but I do go to Georgia a lot. Mm -hmm. There's no question. And that's what that's what has people very upset. They're like, well, Steve, you're not here all the time. And I said, well, that's not true. I'm here well over 60 percent of the time. I'm not here 90, but I am here. And I've been a, I've been a registered voter. I pay taxes. 
my driver's license, everything is in Missouri. Yeah, well, I think that gets to a bigger question, though, because being a state senator is, while it is a very all-encompassing job, it is a part-time job, which means you would probably have to keep your other employment in order to make a living. If you're traveling all the time, are you really going to be able to devote the needed energy and time for this position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've Actually, it's funny. I talked to um, my opponent, Mark. We, we've spoke a couple of times, and he's a mediator as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we both were discussing the same idea because I've got an agreement, an accommodation they're going to make for me and just take me off their panel mm-hmm. while um, – sessions going on yeah so in other words what you're saying is you wouldn't be working your other job for five months correct yeah and this is not uncommon there are a lot of attorneys who are in the missouri house and missouri senate who are able to do both things so i want to make clear to our listeners that your situation is not completely unusual and you could supplant attorney for business person or, or whatnot i did want to ask you that directly though because as I alluded to before, it has been an issue. Why, why? I mean, especially if you're traveling a lot, what's prompted you to run for office in Missouri and now for this seat? Well, um, back in 06 or 07, I approached my uncle and I said, you know, I, I, I'm kind of frustrated at stuff I see going on and I want to run for office. And he, uh, we had a long conversation and he said, well, I, I said, I need your approval, essentially. And he said, you've got it. And then he gave me some ideas, and I, I took a few pages of notes, and um, and that was the start. Um, currently, I, I just see things like back in 08 when they were starting the I-6440 project. I met with Bi-State. I was vehemently opposed to it, and now I look at what happened with that, and I say, I just don't like that. I don't like the leadership and how they handled that because I mean, what, you you want to be some, yeah. Well, why didn't you detail. like that project? Well, and and I know I don't want to offend anybody, but when I talked to Bi State, they said that when this is all over, when it was all over, there was going to be very little measurable decrease in drive times, and little to no measurable difference in pollution. Those are the two focuses of when you when you take a city down for two years like they did. They should have, my, my thinking was they, they should have given the voters some more choices. Like, all right, it's going to cost another $100 million. We're going to need to put in a toll. We're going to need to do something because we want to, you need to add a lane to it, I thought. Yeah. And, and I've talked to people about it. They're like, yeah, my drive time's the exact same. It's a lot of, we're going to be paying generations of people from St. Louis are going to be paying for that project going forward. So now, but that's not something that necessarily, if you're in the state legislature, no. that you, I mean, while they do vote on overall transportation projects, I mean, just in general, I think they, but, but they, the specifics, the specific I, I projects say, yeah, are up to the, the jurisdictions, in this case, St. Louis County are, and the city. You know, if it involves a state highway, I mean, that's the Missouri Highways and Transportation Commission. Correct. I, I don't think the legislature gets to vote on individual projects. So how did that, where's the nexus between that and the legislature? Or was it just mainly it's, like getting your, your interest in, in state policy, basically? Well, it, I think that there's there's funding that comes from the legislature. Mm-hmm. And funding would have been the main way to do it from state senator's point of view is say, wait a minute, you know. If we're going to fund this, we need to do it in a way that's going to have an impact for generations. Yeah. So in 2008, you ran in a Democratic primary against James Trout. 
This was a time when the 15th district was more democratic than it is today. I, I said this on our previous show with your Democratic opponent. I think for all intents and purposes, you were the Democratic establishment's choice in that race, not James Trout. But you ended up losing by a very, very, very narrow margin. What did you kind of learn from that campaign? And why did you why did you think you didn't end up winning that primary? Um, well, the main thing I learned about that in that uh, race was that uh, politics is a contact sport, <laughs> basically. I don't think I had... Uh, thick enough skin for it at the time. Um, I was not prepared for a lot of things that occurred. But, um, you know, losing by, I think it was 25 or 26 votes. And then we did a recount. I think they found one or two more votes or something. Right. But um, um, I learned that, you know, the people, before that race started, I was told by some people in the in the, basically the political industry here in St. Louis that, you need to raise a half million dollars to win mm -hmm. a state senate mm -hmm. race. And I said, wow, that's going to be a tall order. And so we started fundraising, and um, I had a, a large shop. I had a, a, a big – I had an office donated, and I was paying – you know, had volunteers. And um, it all got down to knocking on doors. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really need to do to get your message out. Yeah, not to get too much in the weeds of this race because it is kind of – over by now. But I think one of the complicating factors for Democrats was that for a long time, Kevin Gunn, who was a Webster Groves councilman, and I think an aide to Dick Gephardt, a form, yes. and, yeah. and who, was, who, a who, who, who is an attorney, right. was raising tons of money for that and was seen as a very formidable candidate. Matt Blunt, in one of the shrewdest political moves that I think that he did, <laughs> yeah, appointed yeah. him to the Public Service Commission. Which is a paid job, by the way. Yes. And it, frankly, I got to be completely candid here. He probably made more of a difference on the Public Service Commission than he would have been able to in the Senate. Because after that uh, election cycle, the Democrats lost a ton of ground in the Senate. But the point is... They were scrambling for a candidate, and it was not really a good situation, and it probably helped Eric Schmidt win in the end. Mm -hmm. So that was eight years ago. Now you've been out of politics, I guess, for, for eight years. What prompted you to get into this race now that the seat is vacant again? Um, well, there was, there was no one specific uh, incident or anything like that. It's just I'm still seeing um, – things happen in the in the area specifically i know I, i'm i represent the state of missouri but my concern and my allegiance will definitely be to my constituents and in, in, within the district and i see a lot of people um i see things with our population declining i see you know people ask questions is why can't you guys get a you know a, a world an, or an all-star game back in st louis why can't we get these other things to go on here and i i, I think well I've got to get into some role of leadership so that I can try to have an impact on it. Um, there's a lot of issues, and I don't know them all. Um, in Missouri, we've got, you know, um, I forgot the number, but, you know, our budget, we're struggling with our budget, like every state, but, you know, um, ad valorem taxes, things like that that I'm just, I'm not fully in agree with. So now one of the big issues in the General Assembly has been whether or not to phase out or get rid of um, the state income tax and replace it with a higher sales tax. Um, the proposed 
there was an income tax cut that was approved in two years ago that's supposed to kick in now as of Friday, but it's not going to happen because the state income didn't increase enough to trigger the tax cut. If you're in the state Senate, what's your position going to be regarding the income tax, I mean the state income tax, income tax cuts, or sales taxes? Um, I'm Well, I guess I kind of showed my hand when I told you I wasn't a fan of the ad valorem tax. Uh, the, um, I, I prefer a flat tax, frankly. Um, I, I know that's a... Well, Missouri sort of yeah, has Yeah, Missouri one, has, has a flat one. tax. I mean, well, unless you make below $9,000 a year, you pay 6%, Yeah. right? Yes, right. yes, correct. Right, but, uh, but as far as trying to... The proposals to get rid of the um, the sales tax, right? So you're want to know the proposal is to get rid of the income tax and increase the state sales tax. I'm sorry, I got I got it backwards, yeah. right? So, um, I have not. I, I can't tell you that I have a position on that yet because I haven't seen the numbers. Okay. I would do. I'd make a decision based on analyzing the numbers. No, I was just wondering because when you made the comment that was sort of that you were critical of sales taxes, you know. The ad valorem tax. So I'm assuming that you would not be a fan of that, or am I wrong? Does it depend well, on circumstances? It, it would be a circumstantial thing. My problem with the ad valorem tax is that if you go out and, for example, you buy a car, and you, most people are not aware that it's going to cost them an extra thousand dollars a year every time they go to register that car. And I went through the process here in Missouri where I bought a car, and I'm paying eight nine hundred dollars each year I register it, despite the fact that it has. 250,000 miles on it and it's not worth anywhere near you know what I mean are you talking about the personal property tax on on vehicles well they call it personal property but it's but it's that, that doesn't go to the state though the personal property tax goes to local governments yeah and yeah I, and, I, and, I, and I'm just De- Department I'm, of Transportation I know a lot of, of you, you're not the only person that's upset that people have to pay it but actually I did a story on that pretty recently and I think that the rationale for having that is if you didn't have personal property taxes on cars, then they would have to basically make property owners, and by property, I mean real estate, real pay estate. a lot more taxes. So I know that you're not a fan of that, but isn't that a more equitable system than basically making all homeowners or real estate owners pay more taxes? Well, I think there's a middle ground there because the the valuation, the way they evaluate for a car, for example, is an NADA guide. And they look in there and they say, all right, with this particular car, it's this number. They, mm-hmm. And if you want to try to appeal it or talk to them, you send in documentation and say, look, this is a work truck or this is, you know, this truck's not worth 40000 It's got all this miles. And, but you still, you can't, you can't do anything with that. So I think there needs to be something done in the middle where they say, look, we'll put a percentage on here of what you're going to have to pay as a max versus going off the NADA, which is, most of the time higher than what's going on. So, Now, if you're in the General Assembly, what other issues would be focusing on? As you know, there's been the debate over right to work, which would curb union rights in the workplace. There's, I mean, what is your position on that? Um, you know, um, I don't know. Right to work is a, um, a, a difficult position uh, for me because um, – I've been a teamster. I was a teamster for a few years. I worked in Chicago, and uh, I, I, uh, you know, I work with a lot of unions now um, when I do my mediations. But um, I don't know what 
do you guys know what the vote was? Have they had a vote yet in the legislature on the right? Yeah, to work? yeah. Well, it passed the. Oh, yes. I mean, it passed um, the House several years ago. It passed and was filibustered in the Senate a year ago. And then right. they previous right. questioned uh-huh. it. Yeah, previous questioned it, but yeah, it was blocked. I, I'm just a little confused here because I have met very few Democratic candidates who had a hard time taking. A side against right to work, with maybe some exceptions of a couple of African American Democrats. Like, what is feeding kind of your indecisiveness on it? Um, well, I'm 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 a very moderate Democrat, first okay. of all, just as a general. I mean, I'm uh, I'm much further right than Mark is, for example. Okay, you want to give us some examples? Um, well, probably. Probably one of my best example would be the, the fact that I'm I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Okay. Okay. And um, you know I think that there's there's bigger issues when it comes to that, and I know that's a federal issue, but um, well, there's some some of it is a state issue. Yeah, there's there's Please a bill ahead. that is actually pending right now because the governor vetoed it, v- and, vetoed it, could it. Be, and it could be overridden about whether there could be permitless concealing carry. Now, what do you think about that idea? Per, oh, permitless, yeah. No. Yeah, so they wouldn't need a permit, yes. Yeah, I wouldn't approve that. I think I think permits are, are critical. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that there would be a way to draw a nexus between, um, you know, the ability to get a firearm and one's, I mean, most of these cases where I see the violence, it's, it appears to me that it's a, you know, these people are mentally unstable, it, it seems. You know, they're not doing real well. Yeah. So, I, you, but, you, but you can't draw that line without risking, uh, you know, your medical medical rights and, and your different privacy acts. There. So what other issues are big for you? And, and, and also, what issues are you more conservative than your opponent right. besides guns? Um, well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a fan, I'm not a big fan of taxes in general. You know, okay. as I mentioned earlier, I said the flat tax. I was thinking just a flat tax overall. You know, well, there is one for the state income tax. It is a the, flat tax, right? But the, at the, I'd like to see it at the federal level, and I know we're, I'm not at that level, right? right. But um, what other conservative issues? Um, well, I don't know where Mark is on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, well, no, what, but you said you're more conservative, so yeah. what, what about on a, like, <laughs> what, what about on abortion rights? Are you, are you are you in favor of them or are you opposed to them? I'm I'm in favor of them. So you you support a woman's right to choose? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't. I don't think it, just not with abortion. I don't think anybody should be able to tell you what you can and can't do with your body. But I, I want to go back to right to work for a second because I I want to make sure you answer it correctly or actually or just clearly accurately. Yeah, we want to. Yes. So your posi- you don't have a position on right to work because you're kind of in a in a delicate mediation conflict of interest or something like I want you to explain it as, as clear well, as possible. Well, I mean I support right to work. Um but I, I think there's there's Do you support it, which is are you curb union rights in the workplace or do you oppose it? I I'm, I'm just not sure if you understand what we're talking about. I I just want to be fair. Okay. So that you know we're not misrepresenting. I mean, right to work if would bar Unions and employers from requiring everyone in a bargaining unit to pay union dues. Right. That's that's the guts of it. Um, labor uh, opposes a ban on that because they say that it encourages freeloaders, where people who are in a bargaining union unit and get the benefits but don't pay for it. Then you've got some right to work supporters who say that it would 
A, give the workers a free choice, and B, they also say it would, um, I think, there are some who say it actually reduces, lowers wages a bit and um, puts less um, pressure on employers. Yeah. That's sort of the um, the guts of it. Yeah. So, and, and, and this is the reason I'm asking this a little bit with more emphasis. If there's a Republican governor, um, and even if there's a Democratic governor, there's a very strong chance that if you're the next state senator, you're going to have to make a big decision on this very early in your term. Correct. So with right. Joe's backdrop, right. I'd like you to explain your position if you can. Um, well, I it's... Uh, I'm having a hard time with it because um, I think um, employees should have the right to do, should have the right to choose, I think. Basically, if they want to be part of the union and be a membership of it, then they need to pay to do that. Um, But to be, I don't know, to have the, I just, I I think I just like that option. Okay. Okay. So in other words, you would support right to work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure we're clear so our listeners get where you are on it. We're not trying to misrepresent where you are. We want to make sure we accurately yeah, allow you to explain a, where you are. It's an extremely important issue. Yes. Oh, forward. I agree. I agree. I just I was I wasn't unclear on what what. Oh, sure. You, how you were questioning it. Sure. Sure. And I apologize if I wasn't clear. So, but what, if you are the next state senator, you're you're probably going to be still in the minority because I don't think that there's any chance that the Democrats can take yeah, over. Yeah, they can't. What would kind of be your your mentality toward getting things done when you're not going to have enough Democrats to get every issue that you want forward? Well, the uh, one of the promises I or discussions I had with my uncle many years ago was, and and it was brought up at his funeral was that um, the one thing that Senator Danforth the reason those two got along so well is that they voted the issue. And, and sometimes that was difficult to do because you were going against your party. And my goal will be to focus on the issues, to, to, to vote the issue and not get too wrapped up in the minutia of which party. And I know that that doesn't sound great for, you know, if you're just voting a Democrat. But I think in today's era, um, some people are getting sick of career politicians that are in politics to try to make a a living when they really should be there to serve the state and serve their people. So um, I'm going to vote the issues, frankly. Um, I don't know if that's going to help solve or, or make problems more difficult. I don't know if that's going to take Democratic voters and say, well, wait, you, you mean if there's a Democratic issue on the table, you might not vote it? Well, I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican issue. I want to vote what's best for Missouri. And if it's an issue in my district that has an impact on my constituents? Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the, the impending campaign. Have you registered a committee with the Missouri Ethics Commission yet to raise money? Because the last time I checked, I didn't see anything. <laughs> I did today. Okay. <laughs> so Okay, this is today. I, this is July 5th. So okay. you, you so have It was due on the 3rd, and I... So because of the holiday there, it's allowed to be done today. Okay, but so you haven't raised any legit... I mean, any sums of any magnitude. I mean, no, I have not. So how are you going to get your message out? Yeah, and how are you going to be able to defeat an opponent who I think has started raising money in Mark Boyko? Well, I'm going to be, the, the, the committee will be formed. It's been formed. Um, and I have a, I have three, four days of work and then I'll be, 
I'll be walking the streets for the next three straight weeks. Yeah. So why and should working, well, I'm working on mail pieces and right. doing things? Uh, why should Democratic voters vote for you instead of your Democratic appointment, uh, Democratic opponent Mark Boyko? Well, um, you know, I, I do have the experience from the last election. Um, I've got uh, I'm more of a moderate, and I don't know if if that's something that voters want or not, but I can't tell you a specific reason, you know, because I don't know him, frankly. I, do, I don't know Mark. Well, if you were the nominee, you're going to be facing either uh, a, a two former, two, one current, one former state rep, uh, Rick Stream, who has a lot of name recognition, and Andrew Koenig, who um, is pretty tight with many of the conservative base and works really hard. How would you go about trying to persuade voters in a Republican-leaning district like the 15th to go for you instead of one of those two guys? Well, um, I guess one of the main messages I would try to get out is that I'm not as far left as some Democrats have been in the past. Uh, I will be doing, as I said, voting issues. Um, and uh, I do know that uh, Rick Stream definitely has name recognition and I think you just have to get to me the district you have to walk the streets you got to work time in Webster and Kirkwood um, and uh, I think letting people know that um, that I'm going to be focused on trying to have a long-term impact on on the different laws that could get passed instead of short-term resolutions like I feel has happened um, but Specifically, I don't know if things change a lot. I learned that in the last race. I could be three <laughs> weeks out and, uh, you know, my, I had a campaign manager at the time and he said, well, you know, you need to do this, this and that. And I, I, he sent me down to Fenton and I spent I spent six days in Fenton and areas where I didn't have, I had no business being there. I mean, if I just stayed in Kirkwood and Webster, you know, and done things. Well, well, it's only part of Webster. I mean, you know, most of Webster is in the first district, which right. is right. not on the redistricting. The get lost a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Although I did see Rick Stream in the Webster Groves parade. Uh, Maybe it was a force of habit. <laughs> How much money did you raise in 2008 for your primary? Um, it was not very much money. I want to. It was. It was south of twenty-five thousand. Okay. okay. I, I'm asking because on July fifth, most state senate candidates, if they're viable, I don't know how much Mark Boyko has raised. Probably not that much because you know it's a de it's, it's a Republican leaning seat and it's going to be a challenge for him to raise money. But the reason I ask that question is, it seems like for a Democrat to win this seat, they're going to need to have start raising money and campaigning a long time ago. So even if you are the nominee, are you going to be at a disadvantage against either Koenig or Stream, who have both been raising a lot more money than you and have been campaigning for, for well while. over a year for the seat? Well, yeah, th th I would be at a disadvantage. But um, as I learned in the last race, um, when you have primaries, it's it's hard to raise money. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I had people coming to me and saying, we promise this if we get past the primary. So uh, if I am the Democrat, the Democratic uh, nominee, I will be working at least as hard, if not harder, than than my opponent once the primary is completed. I'm sorry, the the, the primary, yes. Yes. So, um, do you, how how much of an impact do you think the national election will have on your race? Because in 2008, 
you know, it was a very good Democratic year, but the Democratic nominee in the 15th district, James Trout, still lost pretty soundly to Eric Schmidt. Right. So that's kind of an example of the national environment not really having an effect on a local race like this. Now you have Trump, who obviously is a wild card. You have Hillary Clinton, who's a wild card, (laughs) especially after today's news with the emails. What impact do you think it'll have on this race? Well, it's all about voters. You know, obviously, I'm hoping there's a lot of voters. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, Like you said, on on our local election, I think with Trump being the wild card, as you mentioned, um, I didn't actually, I haven't heard the the news today on Hillary, by the way. Well, they're not, the FBI is not going to indict her. Okay. uh, Or anybody on her staff, but they just said she used poor judgment on some of the stuff with her private email system. So it's not politically fatal, but it's not great either. So that's the yeah. bottom line. Well, I just hope it, it doesn't. I mean, <clears throat> I've heard people say there's no good choices and this and that, and they might not vote at all, and that's what I'd hate to see. Yeah. So well, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Well, I, I think people will vote, but we'll have to see if the presidential election does drive down turnout. Uh, we appreciate your time on our show. Um, it's a, it's hot out there, so good luck campaigning over the next few weeks. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Manis. That's J M A N N I E S. Did you have a Twitter account or a website that anyone can visit we, at this we, point? TeamEagleton.com is being it's set up, mm-hmm. um, and then we're working on the Twitter. I'm doing some of those things after I get my campaign committee formed. Absolutely. Okay. And see, Joe, I asked about the website or the Twitter. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Yes.